People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. Today's conversation takes us to the backyard. Not necessarily my backyard, but a place where some cities across the country are allowing homeowners to build freestanding structures, accessory dwelling units, or more colloquially known as granny units or in-law units. The world of ADUs has grown over the last decade, and some big cities have enacted laws allowing for speedier development of these in order to curb a shortage of housing. Our chat with Adam Stone, the CEO and co-founder of ADU OZ Fund, or ADU Opportunity Zone Fund, is now looking to bring investment dollars into this opportunity, and most importantly, into areas known as Opportunity Zones. He is looking to really put a booster on this business and help bring housing in areas where it's perhaps needed the most. Here is our conversation about his business and the cottage industry of ADUs that's growing quickly and evolving rapidly. Adam, good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Vlad? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, where does this podcast find you? Where are you? I'm in San Diego right now. Actually, uh, we're recording. I'm I'm recording in our uh, ADU on our primary residence. It's a oh, detached okay. converted <laughs> garage. So we'll explain more about that. But excellent, yeah, excellent. To be yeah, on the show. That's, yeah, very, very nice, very nice. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Um, so, Adam, before we get into kind of the you know meat of the conversation, and we're going to talk about ADUs, obviously here today. Tell us a little, a little bit about your background and sure. your company, and sort of what you guys are up to, and, and kind of how you got to where you got uh, to. I, I think maybe would be another good good thing to you know touch upon. Okay, perfect. So my name is Adam Stone. Uh, I'm a real estate and business attorney, also a licensed real estate broker, um, and the co-manager of the ADU OZ Fund. Uh, that's a qualified opportunity zone fund based out of San Diego, but um, we have projects and things in the pipeline all over the country, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, I'm originally from Detroit and, and grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, moved to San Diego about 12 years ago now. And since then, I've been really um, interested in watching the market grow in San Diego and just you know across the country. And um, in the past couple of years, there has been the uh, regulatory opening of ADUs and, and really uh, accessory dwelling units, and housing options in general that really fuel the development that we're going to talk about today. So, uh, you know, we'll get more into that in a little bit, but my background is in the real estate law and you know, understanding the regulations, uh, working with investors, working with uh, entrepreneurs in terms of figuring out how to, you know, achieve their business goals overall. 
Yeah, makes sense. And we should just, you know, for those of us, not for those of us, but for those in the audience that may not not have heard the term ADU, mm -hmm. you you mentioned it. It stands for um, accessory dwelling unit, otherwise known as granny unit, in law unit. Right? There's a there's a sort of a, a number of different names like that, but it's effectively a standalone um, little house, if you will, right? Um, that sits on your property. Is that the best way to describe it? Yeah, essentially, an, an accessory dwelling unit, ADU for short, is a separate dwelling unit on the same parcel as a primary residence. Um, and, you know, as a separate dwelling, it can have a slightly different address. You know, sometimes you'll see, you know, 3708A and 3708B. Um, we have a property now that was 3706 originally, and now it's 3706 and 3708 with the uh, garage ADU that we converted. So, you know, in terms of an accessory dwelling unit, separate from the main house, but it can be one of three things, really. Uh, an attached ADU, which in some jurisdictions are called junior ADUs. Um, it can be detached from the house in terms of a garage, uh, and, you know, that's a converted existing structure as an ADU. And then if you have space on your yard, you can build out um, an accessory dwelling unit that way. And it's, you know, a, another version of a detached ADU, but it's a, uh, a new build um, using space that's there. So uh, those are typically the three ways that people go. And, you know, when it's dealing with um, the, the sizes, for the most part, they range from about 150 square feet, you know, micro units. Uh, in some jurisdictions, they're called, you know, other economy dwelling units, um, and then up to about 1,200 to 1,500, depending on the jurisdiction, the 1,200 yeah. square feet. And then, you know, that's that's about your range. Yeah, and they've recently kind of gained, um, you know, prominence, I guess, uh, in in the you know media and in the industry um, as a way to kind of manage. Um, I would expect, uh, you know, you know, uh, new ways to you know bring housing into urban areas, especially where uh, housing might be tight or insufficient, right? And so, uh, tell us a little bit about kind of how that's evolved over the last, you know decade, maybe five years or so, because now we're seeing cities passing ordinances and just a little bit of a primer in terms of um, w what this means for some of the urban urban cities, um, urban areas, and um, kind of higher density areas too. Yeah. I mean, the, the regulations opening up you know, across the country has really, like you said, happened over the last five years. I mean, just the idea of granny flats, casitas, you know, those structures is not a, a new thing. You know, we've seen these structures and had these properties before, but it's just really about the regulations that are catching up to speed and really pushing to have these developed and built in. Um, you know, a lot of the states have, have regulations that cover, you know, rural and urban areas, but, you know, you'll see a lot of the, the, the major bonuses, some of the uh, additional regulations to boost the development of ADUs in city regulations and cities that have those um, housing issues the most and have the, the biggest need for additional units. You know, you'll have, um, you know, for example, in San Diego and other parts of California, they have designated transit priority areas. And those are things that people um, can typically look for in terms of uh, potential um, ways to build out and, you know, go from an investor perspective or even, you know, on your own primary property, the ADUs are 
pretty open in terms of the ability for you to build out on your property at this point. So, you know, it, it's an innovation that is great for, you know, investors and, you know, what we're using it as from an investment model, but it also works for people who are using it on their own primary residence, looking to reduce or eliminate their, their mortgage or provide uh, living space for uh, family members, friends, you know, there's a lot of different ranges of uses that you can have with it, but it is something that is both for personal and investment purposes. Yeah. And, and this is a great segue into my kind of follow-up question, which is, you know, th- these are not necessarily politically kind of bad things, right? A lot of cities have adopted them. A lot of uh, homeowners and folks that, you know, have land, uh, or, you know, excess sort of space on their lots to, you know, build these have been also pretty happy about this, right? I mean, this has kind of been on both sides a very kind of positive uh, ev- evolution, correct? Would would you would you argue that? I mean, I, I agree that it's it has equal usage, equal benefits to, to basically all parties. I mean, if you're, look, you're looking at it from a development end, from an investor point of view, there's great value add potential, you know, knowing how to navigate these regulations and, you know, find the areas that best suit um, your, your target market. And then from um, just uh, the user, the, from the need perspective, there's definitely uh, a huge benefit for those who are able to now have a place to live in these ADUs, you know, clean new facility that is, built out and meeting all the regulatory guidelines but at the same time it's it's done in a way that can you know really take advantage of unused space right now and maximize a person's ability to get value out of their land yeah and where have you seen uh kind of the you know preponderance of these you know regulations to allow the building of these happen across the country is it you know, mainly on the coast? Is it urban areas? Um, you know, it sounds like you're doing stuff around the country. So if, if you can kind of give us a little bit of a an overview of what you're seeing and where you're seeing this this activity mm-hmm. really bubble up. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think there's pockets of different ADU developments all over the country. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to see because the different areas have incorporated those uh, ADU regulations in a way that fits uh, what their architecture, what their layouts currently, you know, already are, you know, the existing uh, circumstances. So, you know, markets like Minnesota and the Midwest, where you have houses that are often with basements and attic spaces, there are regulatory, you know, ADU laws that are um, geared towards getting those spaces converted and permitted as separate units um in san diego or in california in general uh the laws allow for people to uh add in multiple adus and in some instance more than two adus depending on where they're located and you know again i was mentioning some of those micro unit laws and other things you know when they're really geared towards providing housing on the um, high density urban level then you know there's uh, even more benefit there potentially that you, know, you could you know tap into. So, you know, with that, there's just a wide array of different options and uses for accessory dwelling units, and you know that's kind of the the beauty of them. Yeah, and as you said at the start of this interview, y- you are in one right now. So you you own mm-hmm. own one, right? Tell us about kind of that process and what what got you to uh, you know I guess this you know walk this talk if you will and um, actually develop one on your property uh, well I mean it, it's it was uh, always a, a goal to you know find a property that was able to kind of help pay for itself and you know provide some value 
outside of just the primary residence. And, you know, we actually purchased it just before the change in laws to allow for accessory dwelling units, you know, in 2019, the laws were very different than they are uh, now. And starting in uh, January of 2020, uh, the ADU laws really became effective and, and started to, or came into effect and became what, guides us now in terms of the ability to have properties that are existing structures converted into ADU living spaces and, you know, having some of the setback rules grandfathered in, you know, and that was, you know, at the onset. And even since then, some of the setback rules have changed with uh, future laws and, and other things that have amended the earlier versions of the ADU regulation. So it's a changing Market is a, it's a changing process, but at the same time, the changes have seemed to open things up more and provide more opportunity for people who are looking to, you know, take advantage of that equity or that value that's possible. How are uh, these uh, projects typically funded? Um, are there, you know, lending vehicles for this? Are there companies mm -hmm. that are, you know, already in this space? Is it sort of primarily kind of, you know, personal funding? Um, what, what do most people do? Uh, you know, I think on the personal side of the primary residence where you're looking to build out, you know, in somebody's own backyard, you'll see a lot of that as self-financed or um, taking equity out through a refinance if there's equity there in that property already. Um, on the investment side, I, there has been a shift in terms of the availability and the <clears throat> openness and the awareness of ADUs. You know, lenders are... Um, a lot more aware of what, you know, what ADUs are and you know, the value they can provide and, you know, how common they are to, you know, a typical duplex or, you know, just another unit in general and the value they can provide. So the financing options are opening up for those. And, you know, I think uh, there's even more programs on the way that are geared specifically toward ADU build outs. So, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, where things go just because the market for accessory dwelling units is so young that, you know, some of these tools and programs are still in the early stages or um, not even in produced yet or introduced. Yeah. So let's switch gears here a little bit and focus mm -hmm. on, on you know, your business, right? Because uh, ADUs are typically built on sort of existing kind of single family lots, right? But you guys are focusing kind of on an opportunity zone for, um, area, right? And, 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 your, and your fund is sort of specifically looking at that. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how that distinguishes you in this, in this you know, space and what, what it is that you guys are trying to, you know, accomplish with it. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, our mission and goal is to make a, a great social impact, community impact through revitalized real estate projects that still, you know, although they have a great community impact, they still um, have a benefit to our investors and still have a great return for our investors. So with that, you know, we're putting together a few layers of laws at the federal, state and local level. Uh, from the federal level, you're looking at the Opportunity Zone program. Um, quickly, the Opportunity Zone program is a tax elimination uh, program built around capital gain tax elimination. And uh, through that, there is an immediate deferral uh, through the end of 2026. Uh, and then if you hold, invest in a property, meet some of the compliance rules regarding investment, 
then by the end of a 10-year hold, you're able to have a step up in the tax basis of that asset invested in, and then from there uh, have a tax-free sale on that asset. But, you know, in terms of some of the compliance aspects, you know, one of the biggest things for real estate are one, holding property in opportunity zones. So knowing where those areas are, um, there's maps available. If you go to the HUD website, you can find a map that covers the, the whole nation. So you can look up opportunity zones across the country. They're every, in every county um, of every state. So, you know, that is uh, a plan that allows for revitalization in those select areas. And for the real estate side, the other big component is substantial improvement. So by that, that means whatever you purchase or acquire the property for that value, you have to improve the property by investing that amount into the property, at least that amount into the property. So if you yeah. have a $500,000 property, you have to invest at least 500000 to meet the OZ guidelines. And, um, you know, for us, you know, that program meshes well with what we're doing through the ADU laws because a lot of our projects are major value add where we're looking to find the, the markets and the biggest need of units that are, um, providing regulations that are the most geared towards development of units through ADUs and other options. And then we can provide that value add to beat the OZ guidelines and, you know, really increase the value of the property and its utility overall. Are you guys targeting, uh, you know, vacant lots or lots that already have, you know, assets on them? What's your approach? Uh, it's a combination. I think the the biggest thing is knowing what areas provide the the path of um, least resistance, or you know the the areas that are the most geared towards development. And you know, from there, we have a, a combination of properties. Uh, one example is a project that was built around a single two bed, one bath house with an attached garage, um, and that property was rehabbed, the house was rehabbed, the garage was converted into an ADU, and then the backyard space, we're able to add in another um, eight units that we're developing now um, through going through the permitting process. So we're looking to you know take the property that is there and then analyze what the options are, what the... Yep. The, the best way to, you know, not only navigate the, the regulations, navigate the zoning that's involved, but also just take into account what the, the property circumstances are. So, you know, we have uh, infill lots. We have another project that's um, in the early stages where we're uh, taking a mixed use building and we're going to have a residential commercial component to it. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's fun to see what type of different, combinations of properties you, you encounter and then figuring out what the best and highest use is for it. Yeah. And in this one instance that, that you mentioned, those uh, eight units that you built on the lot, are they freestanding units? Do you then, you know, lease them out as rental units? And um, it, is that how you kind of get, get the return on the, on the investment in the fund? So in terms of um, the fund investment, the there's multiple ways that investors would um, you know, be able to be a part of the gain and, you know, not only through that monthly cash flow on the rentals, you know, there's the appreciation over time through that hold period with the eventual uh, step up in tax basis. And then outside of that, you know, there is the ability to take funds from, you know, 
those businesses and then reinvest uh, in the opportunity zone in the fund and, you know, build from there. So, you know, we're excited to have investors coming in now at the early stages because they, they're part of the process early on and, you know, they're able to kind of be a part of everything that we're working on um, in terms of, you know, what we're renting out and how we're renting them. You know, we have a different, we have a few different combinations of, um, rental options and, and partners that we're working with on these. Um, some will be geared toward, you know, just uh, making sure we're addressing the needs of affordable and workforce housing space. But, you know, there's also plans and, you know, partnerships we're building with um, other uh, agencies and organizations that are addressing homelessness and uh, some of the other communities that are, are vulnerable to these housing issues the most. So, um, we're, we're able to provide these different units and, you know, the different projects we have in the pipeline should all have that ability to serve these communities and provide, you know, single occupancy, maybe double occupancy, um, units that are again, clean and, and really built for what today's needs are. Yeah. Where are you guys looking to make these investments? Um, you know, uh, have you already identified certain geographies, uh, tell us a little about kind of what, what your perspective on that is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of our projects right now are focused in San Diego, uh, not only based on me being here, being located here, but my partner, Matt Williams, uh, he has a heavy construction and development background. He's from San Diego, originally San Diego native. Um, he's based in Dallas right now. So, um, you know, San Diego also provides, um, some of the best regulations in our eyes for uh, our development model and our ability to do the value adds that I was talking about. Um, and, you know, also you know, we have a lot of close relationships here in, in this city and we're able to find projects and find opportunities and different joint ventures and other things here um, before they're even on the market in some situations. So, you know, it just provides a, a great blend of, you know, our ability to, to know what's going on and then be a part of, uh, the changes that are happening. Yeah, but but your hope, I imagine, is to then expand, you know, up and down the coast, uh, other parts of the country potentially. I mean, is that the goal of the organization? Yeah, so the fund, you know, we have ties already, like I mentioned with Matt, uh, or my partner Matt. He's uh, in Dallas. So we have projects there that are in the pipeline and ready for us to uh, go after when, you know, the timing's right. And, you know, he has connections in the Georgia market. So, um, you know, those are also, uh, areas of focus and, you know, for me personally, my ties to Michigan are always something that I am looking at for development opportunities. So I know there's, um, some good options in those OZ markets. Uh, so, you know, I think right now we're focused in San Diego because this can provide the highest upside for our investors with the way the regulations are. But, you know, my goal is to provide positive case studies and examples of how these regulations can be used correctly, you know, through our uh, developments, adding in parking and designated laundry and things like that. So then, you know, other markets can come up to speed with these regulations to make development better there too. So, you yeah, know, it's, it's a process, but at the same time, there's definitely a path to get there. Yeah, of course. Um, it seems over the last few years, you know, there's been an ecosystem that's evolved around this space. You know, now mm -hmm. you have, you know, design firm, firms and architecture firms specifically focused on, you know, ADUs. You have some 
manufacturers actually, you know, claiming that they have, you know, kind of ready-made modules. So if you want to install an ADU on your property, they can kind of help help you with that. Um, you know, you, you guys with your fund, um, I'm, I'm sure there are, there are others, you know, who like, you know, specialized in the construction and putting these things on, you know, people's properties. Um, tell us about that. Like, you know, is, it, it, it seems like an exciting time to be in the, in the ADU space. Um, do you foresee that even growing more? Uh, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, just in terms of the growth, you know, there is some huge growth going on across the country. And, you know, there's been a growth rate of about 9%, about 100,000 ADUs per year. And, you know, with more regulations opening up uh, across the country, those are things that are going to continue to grow. And, you know, in specific markets, you know, the Portland market, the Austin market, Chicago is rolling out um, their own sets of plans. I know in the Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, they've implemented ADUs. And those are already in markets that are strong and seeing growth. So, you know, I think as more areas have influx of um, new residents, you know, they're going to start turning to options like accessory dwelling units to help alleviate some of those development concerns. And, you know, with the the modular component, you know, that's something that our fund is, um, you know, exploring and, you know, we're, we're looking to build some strong partnerships there uh, as well, because, you know, as our fund scales up, you know, that is a way to, um, reduce and eliminate some of the timelines you see with uh, the construction process. But, you know, it, it's something that we're considering and, you know, it's just balancing out versus our, you know, strong construction contacts and, you know, what we can already do on the stick built side. But I think those types of units make a lot of sense, especially if they are designed and, and tailored in a way to be cost effective and, and meet the needs of, um, you know, the markets that they're trying to serve. Yeah, what are some of the big hurdles that remain in this industry that that you know you you've seen? Whether it's from a regulatory, you know, legal, uh, you know, logistics kind of kind mm-hmm. of things, right? Where where are the where are the bumps in the road? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for from what I've seen, my perspective is it's financing. You know, there's plenty of projects out there. You know, our fund has plenty of projects that we could you know perform this value add on, and the regulations are ripe for it and you know, some of the, uh, the community, they, they are welcoming to it, but you just need to get that financing component lined up and have people recognize, you know, the value that ADUs have, uh, you know, to me in a lot of senses, the, the ADU is essentially like a duplex or a triplex or quad or however you want to view it, because, you know, they provide that separate living space and they provide people to, be able to section off their properties in ways that just haven't been allowed before. So, you know, the rules are there, just the financing and the, whether it's through debt investors, equity investors who are still new to ADUs and, and want to learn more about them and trying to figure out, you know, how this is different. And if it's the same thing as just buying it into a duplex or triplex, you know, those are the types of conversations we're having um, just to, to educate and, and learn more about how to, to meet what the, the the financing side is looking for. And even for people with the primary residence, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, the financing is really self-financed or if you're able to pull out equity. But if you're not, then you're somewhat restricted there too. So if there were ways to allow people to take advantage of that uh, 
ADU option a little bit more easily for their primary and, you know, maybe even allow for a better path to group investment when families want to come together and use ADUs to allow them to consolidate funds. I I think that would be a, a big boost to the market overall. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about your your fund, Adam. You know, what are you guys trying to accomplish in terms of, uh, you know, how big of a fund are you trying to raise? Is it going to be kind of a closed-end fund, open-ended fund? Are you primarily targeting sort of, um, uh, you know, private investors at this point? Um, you know, tell us what, what, that, what that breakdown looks like. Yeah, thanks, Vlad. I, our fund, you know, our mission the the communal impact that we can have with adding these value at uh, accessory dwelling units that is something that you know we can deploy and get up to our goal at 250 million so you know that's what we're targeting now our initial raise um, is in the 25 million range and you know we're having um, these types of um, like I was mentioning earlier, educational meetings and ways to just introduce people to what opportunity zones are, what they provide, why they're targeting certain areas for um, the investment and how that still can be a great investment for that person, even though, you know, it's having a huge community impact on the other side. So, you know, we have you know put together a lot of our different ideas and thoughts and, you know, the ways that this does have that impact and you know when we talk to people and tell them about the different partnerships that we're putting in place as well to help solidify these um these long-term investments you know i think you know that's the piece that people want to learn more about and you know for overall you know our our target is to allow that long-term gain and and get people into a point where, you know, if they want to stay in for the full 10 years, you know, that has that ultimate tax benefit. But, you know, there are options to buy out before then the seven year mark um, at the, the tax deferral uh, end period in 2026 and some other times. So, you know, those are things that, you know, we definitely are open to having more conversations with people about. But, you know, the the, the fund itself is growing and, you know, the projects, they're coming in every day. Adam, for those uh, who are be uh, interested to learn more about your organization and potentially, you know, be be part of uh, your your fund. Where can they find more information? Well, they can visit our website at www.aduozfund.com. Um, follow us on Instagram at aduozfund, and our email is info at aduozfund.com. Uh, I can throw our phone number in, too, if anybody wants to give us a call, 619-704-2477. Adam, thank you so much. This has been great to learn more about this and uh, look forward to hearing how the fund goes and uh, stay safe. Thanks, Vlad. You, too. I'm really excited to see where the market of not only our fund goes, but just ADUs in general, because you know there's just so much utility and value there for people if they're um, aware of what they can do to take advantage of the, the laws that are opening for them. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business. Music